Welcome to Hypergen Sales Leaders Podcast, the show that equips you with the cutting edge strategies, wisdom, and inspiration to become a top-notch sales leader in today's ever-evolving business landscape. I'm your host, John Mansour, and each episode will bring you in-depth conversations with sales trailblazers, industry experts, and thought leaders who have mastered the art of leadership and revenue generation. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting your journey, join us as we unlock the secrets to sales success. Let's dive in. Welcome back to Hypergen Sales Leaders Podcast. Joining me today from Philadelphia is Jacqueline Jagodinsky, who is the VP of Sales and Marketing for AssetWorks. We actually spoke to Crystal, one of her colleagues, a few episodes ago as well. And AssetWorks, they're a company that builds integrated software solutions to help organizations make more accurate data-based data-backed decisions to achieve their revenue goals. Jacqueline, thanks for being on. No, thank you so much for having me. And, and thank you to Crystal, if you're watching, for referring me to John and his team. Yeah, excited to chat and dig into some of your experience and insights. First to start off, I, I would love to hear just a little bit more um, about your role in AssetWorks and, and what you do. Sure. John, as you mentioned, I am the Vice President of Sales and Marketing at AssetWorks. We are a separate P&L from Kristen's company. So yes, we do share a name, we do share a brand, but what Crystal does and what I do are two very separate things. So we sell in our vertical markets and we sell a fleet management software solution, also an asset management solution. And the easiest way to picture it is everyone knows the NYPD, right? The New York Police Department. They have 30,000 vehicles. Each one of those vehicles needs to be maintained and they need to work when the department needs it. So our software provides all the tools to make sure that those vehicles are maintained and safe and in a working order for uh, large cities and counties. And then Amazing. in my role as the VP of sales and marketing, I oversee a department of 25 and they do both functions. So we have a dedicated marketing group um, as well as 10 account managers who are out in the field selling our products and services. Gotcha. Okay. And a question I always love to ask is just maybe like your personal journey into sales. Like why sales? How did you get into sales leadership specifically? Was it something you were looking for? Was it serendipitous? Or we'd love to hear a little bit more about that. <laughs> Great question, John. Just like everyone else, I think I have a unique journey. So I actually got my degree in sport management uh, and legal studies from Drexel University down in Philly. At the time, I thought I was for sure going to be negotiating NFL player contracts. Loved the NFL, thought I was going to go to law school. Um, but as I ventured into graduate school and so on, uh, I did stay in sports and I started to get into marketing and sales and tickets and advertising space. So really great opportunities there. Drexel University is Division I University, so a ton of opportunity. As I progressed, I stayed within hospitality, which is also unique to the fact that I'm at a software company now, and started really focusing on branding and marketing for experiences in uh, hotels that were located in Mexico and the Caribbean um, with a company called Apple Leisure Group, which is now owned by Hyatt. Um, a very well-known hotel brand. It was at that role that I realized, yes, I'm a marketer. Yes, I'm branding and coming up with different unique scenarios for hotel guests to experience. But we were also the face of the brand, right? And we were ensuring that the hotel rooms were full and that these hotels were booked all year round, season by season. So through that experience, I definitely learned a little bit more about sales. And when I came to Valaris Group and AssetWorks, I really came in with a marketing background. I was overseeing marketing and in working with our account management team, 
just learned so much more about our customers, our customer personas, and inevitably went up the ladder into a leadership position. So a little bit unique coming from that sport management background, but in the software space, and when you're speaking to consumers or B2B, a lot of the tactics are the, are the same. It's just the audience and, and knowing your customer best. And that's how those skills translate and how I got into sales. Gotcha. Yeah. And I think you may have mentioned, but you've been in the VP role now for uh, about a year or something like that. Yeah. Just about two years. I first okay. stepped into sales as a senior director and then recently promoted to VP last year. Cool. Okay. Awesome. In in that same train of thought, a lot of the people who listen to sales leaders, founders, co-founders of startups, always like to get insights into what strategies that you find or have found to be the most effective for generating new leads, new business, closing deals, particularly in your field. Like what methodology do you find works best for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So I actually hosted a recent event, an internal event, and the internal event was called Should Sales Report Into Marketing? And during planning and doing research to host this event, I actually do a lot of research within Gartner. It's something really big that the Valaris Group and AssetWorks uses for tools to build better teams. And they had said in a recent study done in April 2023 that sales organizations that prioritize alignment with marketing are nearly three times more likely to exceed their new customer acquisition targets. So our strategy is just that. Um, we align our goals and strategies with our sales and marketing department to the company growth pipeline. And it really helps us do a few things, hit that message to, you know, one message to many, but also individualize our sales team processes. So we have dedicated geographies and sales strategies in each geography, and, and that support can vary. So we have marketing tools and tactics that our sales team can use in their toolbox, as we call it based off of what they're good at, what their particular sales strategy is, and who they are selling to. So we do a lot of strategies within understanding not only our geographies, but our total addressable market in those geographies. I mentioned niche in the sense that fleet management software, right? We can't sell our software to any company. So knowing our total addressable market, who our buyers are, and using the power of marketing and sales approach has really helped us out to increase not only the sales experience for the customer, but also the velocity of the sale. And a great example of that is we have what we call our inside sales process. So an inside salesperson would receive a lead right through our website that our marketing team would design. And what they do is they pick up the phone and they really soft sell. They're the first face. So they ask the customer questions. They understand their problems, what size of organization they are. And we call this the best example of sales and marketing working together because we're qualifying that lead before it's getting to account management. And by the time it gets to the account manager, there's so much more information and we can really solve their problems and set up a more effective demo and drive a faster sale. So that's just a few of our strategies that have helped us in, in our market. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. And and as far as be curious to hear what cross collaboration or internal communication between departments look like, does it happen on like a daily, weekly basis? Or how do you guys like communicate to each other? Yeah, great question. So my management team right now has a director of sales, a director of marketing, and we actually have the role of director of sales and marketing operations. And our sales and marketing operations is really the linchpin between what's going on in both, right? So marketing has a great campaign idea. Sales has the territory. They know what products we want to feature. And sales and marketing operations really helps drive our tools together 
and ensure that we can track that properly, engage properly with the customer along a journey, not just one touch point of a campaign. Cadence wise, we meet daily as a management team. As a department, we're meeting at least once every two to three weeks to talk through strategies. And then we review pipelines for each of our individual account managers on a quarterly basis. Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense. And speaking of like yeah. strategies and best practices, what are some of the things you do to stay up to date on industry trends and, and changes? Specifically, like how do you incorporate that knowledge into your sales strategy? And would also be curious to hear about what tools you found that maybe automate your sales mm -hmm. process or anything AI related, what, yeah, what that looks like. Oh, yes. AI is a very hot topic, but I can answer this in kind of two ways, if that's okay. General sales and marketing, and then our, our industry, if that works. Yeah. yeah. So general sales and marketing is a challenge because if anyone is in either of those functions, it is an ever-changing landscape. We always use the analogy of a car dealership, right? 20 years ago, you would go in to buy a car. You would go to one, two, three different dealerships. Maybe you would test drive. You meet with different salespeople. Now you do all of your research online, right? So by the time you walk into a car dealership and you're meeting with a salesperson, the color, the make, the model, you just want to test drive. You also know what you're willing to pay, right? Because you've been able to find that information online and you have an idea of the value of the vehicle. So that's really changed. Um, and we sell software, right? So people can do all of the same things with review sites and things like that. So what we do to combat that is obviously stay on top of those trends, but listen to our market and really the key tool is that strong marketing team um, who can help manage and position you so that you can be found in those instances, right? We use particular tools. I, I won't mention specific names, but a CRM tool and a marketing automation tool that allow us to collect and analyze that data so that we understand what our buyers are doing. So if someone is coming through the website, we can see what content they're reading, how long they're staying on the website, what pages that they're going to and optimize that experience so that when we pass that lead to one of our sales team members, they have a much stronger discussion. I also realized, John, that not everyone has a marketing team, right? You might be a sales leader for a new business or you're an entrepreneur and you are the sales leader and you are the marketer. Um, and that's where I would suggest AI. So we just went to an internal training and we had an excellent keynote, a little bit scary because AI can be, a, it's very different and it's new to some people. And what he had said was, don't worry, AI is not going to take your job. The person who's going to take your job is the person that knows how to use AI. And again, a little scary, but in sales, it can be tricky to use a tool like this, right? You're not going to use it to draft your sales pitch, right? Because you want it to be really specific to the customer, but you can use it for things like drafting your emails, social media posts, coming up with 10 topics to talk about, to help bring in your brand identity online. So there's a lot of different ways that we can do it. And that gives a salesperson who's really responsible for building trust and relationships and closing deals more time to do things like that. In our specific industry, John, AI is also a growing trend. So in the fleet industry, we use AI tools and cameras to predict driver behavior. So if it's happening in the market, it's likely happening in your industry. So paying attention to what's happening there has been really helpful to us. And we also build relationships with key publications. So we align ourselves with key leaders. We jump on different sponsorships or industry boards where we can also, as a company, become the voice for the industry. 
So we're learning and we're also sharing valuable information, right? And building trust in the industry. And then the final way that we do this and stay up to date on trends is listening to our customers, going on site with our customers, taking this data back to the organization, understanding their problems and not just assuming their problems can just make such a stronger business. And it can be challenging because you go on site and sometimes not everything is perfect, but what you get out of it is invaluable for a sales team and for a business. Yeah, no, those are really good points. I, I appreciate the insight there. And just in terms of talking about mm -hmm. a sales team and, and obviously being revenue focused, what are some of the key attributes, characteristics, things you look for when perhaps like expanding or growing your sales team? And then and as a, maybe a second part to that question would be, what are some things you do to, to keep morale high, right? Things are going great. You had a great quarter. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you have a slower quarter, what are some tools you implement or some best strategies as well? Yeah, great question. So I mentioned earlier this concept of a toolbox, right? So not every single individual is going to have a, a great year every time. And some of the ways that we stay motivated is we have some team learning. Yes, every individual salesperson has their own unique ways that they approach the market and they approach customers, but there are so many strategies within. You, you can individualize the pricing in different ways by learning from your peers. We go after different markets, right? So when you're in a niche market, it does feel like, oh, are you going to run out of business? Or are we going to get every fleet? No, you could. there's markets that are like really aligned with us. We'll use trucking as an example. So a little bit different, but they could use our software to do the same thing. So we support the market research to help teams identify new leads in different areas that we can grow. As far as morale, we really have a long tenure at AssetWorks. I think the most recent hire that we've had to make within our core team has been here already five years. So we like to build an incentive program that makes our team successful um, on the good years and on the years that maybe it's not the best, right? By building pipeline and seeing what's available in the future. So we do incentivize our sales team to be successful. We create goals that are stretch goals, but achievable stretch goals as to not really grow the quota so high that it just feels like it's completely unachievable. I mentioned that hosting the quarterly pipelines, we get our senior leaders, our executive level on those calls to open up for our sales team to ask for help. If you have a stuck deal, maybe you need higher level contacts to get in touch with a client. Our senior leadership team is there to do that. Our COO, our GM and above who've been in the industry a really long time. So that's just some of the tools that we do to keep our sales team motivated, keep morale and really keep the pipeline growing and, and the deals coming in year over year. That's great. Yeah. And, and as you were saying that, I was just thinking about being a sales leader yourself, you have your own work-life balance, you have your sales team's work-life balance. I guess, what does that look like personally and maybe collectively? How do you balance the two? And uh, I guess, what are some best practices in that <laughs> respect? Yeah. I'm curious, does everyone giggle when you ask about work-life balance, I'm I'm sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, usually. It's funny. <laughs> I know you have running a sales department. We always say that clock starts on the first day of the year and it ends on the last day of the year, right? And you have that much time quarter by quarter to achieve your goals. But no matter which way you swing it, work-life balance is critical. So on a personal level, I do have two young children. So I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. When I took this role, they were a newborn and three, so even worse. Um, but everyone has something going on in their life that keeps them busy. And my motto is that it's it's just as much work as the work you put into your, your regular life. 
the effort and planning that you put into your day-to-day work, the day that you put into your health, you've got to do the same thing for your work-life balance. Um, So my suggestions and how we operate as a team is first build trust in your peers and with your leadership. And then suddenly it doesn't feel so scary to take time for yourself, right? You have trusting relationships. When you say you're going to do something, your peers know you're going to get it done. So if you have to drop off a few minutes early, everyone knows you're still going to meet the expectations. And with building trust, set boundaries. And it's easy to say you're going to set boundaries, but you need to encourage your team to set boundaries. And also you need to lead by example. I think it is so easy for a leader to say, oh, take some time off. But when you see your leader not taking time off, it makes it a little less comfortable, right? And it's not the culture. So as hard as it is sometimes to shut down, it's hard to tell people to shut down and not to do it yourself. So leading by example is critical. And when I took this role, a little story for you, it was like the summer of that first year. And I sent an email right before the 4th of July. 4th of July is my favorite holiday all time. Just love it here in, in the States. And I had said to the team, like, hey, thanks for everything you've done at this mid-year point. You guys are doing great. Make sure you leave a little bit early, no matter what you like to do. Get to the beach early, barbecue, whatever you're doing this weekend, have fun. It's a company holiday on Monday. And when I got back, I had received feedback from one of the guys who's new to working under my leadership. And he said, I've never received an email like that from a business leader to step away. And first of all, I was that, that made me feel really good. But also it was just a small reminder. And he said, I stepped away and I spent some extra time with my daughter. And at the end of the day, it wasn't harm on the business. We sell into governments. They were already closed. So no POs were getting signed that day. They were already off to their weekend. And when you're in sales, it never sleeps. So the nine to five is less important than the amount of time you spend on the road in front of customers and negotiating contracts. So get it where you can. And take any moment that you can with your family and friends. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Yeah, really key points there. And are there specific ways you talked about building trust? And that's obviously integral. But for a lot of our listenership who does manage a team and is looking to expand and grow, what are some what are some things, maybe daily, weekly goals or activities you do to build trust within a sales team? Sure. sure. The first thing is when someone says they're going to do something to do it, we have some pretty clear visibility into what we do day to day. We don't read each other's emails, but we we use a, a CRM. So we know how a pipeline is trending, activities that are being done. We track demo calendars. So for the most part, it'd be very hard to not do your job, right? So my motto is I lead with trusting my people until they give me a reason not to trust them. And so far that has done very well. I have a great team. Like I mentioned, 25 diverse individuals, all with varying skill sets and giving that a little bit of autonomy and leading with trust has really helped and getting that in return. So I need to be accountable when I say I'm going to do something or support in an area and give that back to my staff. And that's really, I think one of the most critical ways. Also managing challenging moments and discussions. It's great this year. I'm going to say it for everybody on the podcast. We hit our annual quota in September. That was the best feeling for a sales team. We're on track to have a really great year this year. And I'm so proud of everything that the team has done, but we're not always going to be in that position. So we need to enjoy the moment that we have right now and just build the trust with each other that when it's not feeling like that, we can all have each other's backs and support the department and grow. So that's a little bit of how we handle that. 
That's great. And would be curious to hear too, like what advice do you have specifically for aspiring sales leaders overall? You can take it from any angle you'd like. And then would be curious to hear your insight into what you foresee as being the biggest challenges facing your industry in the coming years. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good question. I wish, I wish I had read someone's advice when I first started here, but my advice is don't be afraid to get uncomfortable I really believe that the biggest challenge in sales sales and marketing is this job is just absolutely not rinse and repeat. You don't have a guaranteed day-to-day. You really don't have a guaranteed year-to-year plan, and, and you just need to be okay with that. The market's going to change. Our buyers are going to change. I talked earlier about the car dealership story, but if you're in software, what people want out of your product is going to change. So you just have to be adaptable, open to learning. One thing too is always keep your skills sharp. It's humbling to go to a sales management 101 or digital marketing 101, but you'd be surprised things change so much from when you completed your degree or the last training that you took, be open-minded to it. And then the last thing is come prepared to every engagement, every meeting, over-prepared. Our thought process at AssetWorks is if you put your best foot forward, you challenge your people to do the same, you empower them, you set clear goals as leaders, you clear roadblocks out of your team's way, then you can absolutely be successful. My director of sales has this funny saying that we laugh about all the time. He says, wake up and suit up. I mean, get up every single day, put your suit on and get out there and just go door to door and do what you have to do to get the job done. And that's really a mentality that has spread across our department. And I think it's, I think it's excellent. Yeah, no, that's great. Really appreciate really appreciate the insight there as well. And I guess for your industry, what do you think might be some of the bigger challenges in, in the next, say, one to one to five years? It's software. I don't even know if it's one to five years. It's, it's right in front of our faces. Um, in the industry that we're in, I wouldn't call it a challenge, but some of our biggest changes have been, I mentioned we're in fleet, is that you know people are going electric and it's a changing landscape. You, It's a different type of vehicle. It's a different management of vehicles. There's computers, right? So we went from managing what was just an asset or a vehicle to now managing a computer, right? So staying on top of the actual software trends and the needs of the market is the most challenging. And I think I mentioned some things earlier, but being in tune with your customers, being in tune with what's happening in politics and in the world can really help you drive a better product for your customers. And if you're not paying attention, you might completely miss the next opportunity for your business. So that would be some examples. Awesome. Thanks so much for uh, the insights, Jacqueline. That was great. Yeah, really appreciated hearing your stories a little bit more about you and uh, yeah, your role in best practices at AssetWorks. Oh, thank you so much, John. I really appreciate it.